It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. With me, a celebrity gardener that I'm super excited about, guys, because long-term WSB radio listeners, you know this man, and what he does very much so goes hand-in-hand with what we do as gardeners and how we plan our seasons and just plan our outdoor time WSB Radio meteorologist Kirk Mellish. Welcome to Green and Growing. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be on the show. I cannot believe I have not had you on. I'm embarrassed. I have been on six months and haven't had you on yet. So welcome, welcome. I thought this would be a really good time for you and I to kind of catch up and, you know, maybe uh, educate some folks about the weather patterns and things. But just with the change in season, I'm partial to fall. Are you even allowed to say that you have a favorite season? Can you do that? Uh, I think it's against uh, uh, AMS, American Meteorological <laughs> Standards, and uh, probably get in trouble with some union somewhere about, about something. I, I like every every season except winter, really. I mean, you know, spring and fall both have so much to, to offer in terms of color. I love the spring because the weather's comfortable, the green's coming back, color's coming back into mm-hmm. life. You know, you got the whole summer of uh, in normal years of fun ahead, but I do like the fall colors and the Christmas of the air and being able to open my windows, uh, you know, at night and then close them during the day. And here in the South, it gets warm enough so that there are a couple of months where I really don't use the furnace or air conditioning at all. So it's like a, a free ride from mother nature because I regulate the, the temperature of the house with the windows open or, or shut, and it's just perfect. Yeah, cheating the electric company for sure. I love that. But now, correct me if I'm wrong, I know you're a Chicago Bears fan, so are you from up north? Yeah, yeah, I was born and raised in, in Chicago, and uh, most of the family is uh, still up there. I have a sister that fairly recently retired and moved to South Florida, but for the most part, the, the rest of the family is still up in, in that general area. So I usually get up there uh, at least two or three times a year, always at Christmas, of course, and uh, usually once or twice in the summer as well. Well, no wonder you don't like the winter time. You had enough of it. That's why you moved further <laughs> south, right? <laughs> I, I really miss snow, though, to tell you the truth. I'm not a big fan of brutally cold, but I love snow, and that's one of the additional reasons I go back every Christmas for a couple of weeks and in hope of getting at least some real snow and hopefully a white Christmas. And I've lucked out most of the years. There's been at least some snow on the ground uh, at Christmas time, and I like that. I don't really sing any songs about dreaming of a brown Christmas. So, (laughs) (laughs) You had brown and muddy, that's right. I mean, I would adore snow down here, I think, if if we as Southerners knew how to just handle it a little bit better, you know? Yeah, if we had the uh, the equipment and the the, uh, experience, uh, things could go uh, a lot better, that's for sure. It could be so much better. Atlanta looks really beautiful in snow, too, you know, because there's always so much greenery. And so you get those contrasts of the of the evergreens and the white snow. So I, I always love it when it snows here, that's for sure. Yeah, so hopefully we may get a few days here and there coming up. But first, we're going to focus on fall, my favorite season. I can say it proudly. 
I already upset people on Twitter. You know, you have an opinion. And someone somewhere <laughs> oh, is going to be mad and argumentative. Oh, that, that Yeah, guaranteed. that is not my favorite season. Well, guess what? It is. So so a week ago, uh, you were on during Atlanta's Morning News with Scott Slade, and, and you do this quite often. You gave out your autumn outlook, and it was fantastic. And I remember last September, I felt like we got a little shortchanged because it stayed so hot. So catch the listeners up to speed if they may have missed that. What can they expect? Well, that's right. It does look like uh, we're going to continue what's basically been, I guess, nine months now where our temperatures have averaged warmer than normal. Wow. And I think that's that trend is going to continue uh, through our fall. So uh, over the next three months, uh, obviously not every day or every week or every month, but over the fall period, I think temperatures are going to average uh, warmer than normal. That's okay. That's doable. We can handle that. And mention in some of the models and the forecasts and all of that of La Nina. And just, you don't have to really break it down that much, but for us common folk, what, what does that mean? Or what are we looking at there? When we talk about the El Nino or the La Nina, we're talking about sea surface temperatures in the Pacific Ocean, uh, closer to the equator and especially the dateline. And La Nina means those Pacific waters are cooler than normal and El Nino would be if they were warmer than normal. And this uh, year we're expecting uh, a La Nina, and uh, that has an impact on the fall and uh, on the winter weather, provided that it continues to uh, develop as we expect. Uh, And if it does, then uh, not only does the fall look uh, not particularly hot, but uh, just a little bit warmer than normal, uh, it also looks like we'll stay wetter than normal uh, here in September, Uh, But then as the autumn goes on, we'll start getting drier and drier. And based on a La Nina, if uh, past La Ninas are any indicator uh, of this one, Mm -hmm. it looks like we may have to wait until the month of November before we see a month where the temperatures average uh, below normal. Now, that's the best, thank you, most common explanation. That was really, really good of explaining that and that trend. So. We can't wait to get relief from the heat. You know, gardeners, it just fall feels like spring and that we're ready to get outside, tidy things up, do some planting and a little pruning and even seed our lawns. And Walter and I. Oh, sure. Yeah. Walter and I. And you listen to the Lawn and Garden Show forever and ever. And he and I just had a conversation in the last hour. You know, folks are starting to think about they can go to the nursery now and and get their cool season vegetables and pop them in the ground. But uh, what would you recommend? Maybe just a little more water than normal if it's going to stay a little hotter? Yeah, I think so, uh, because the evaporation uh, rates are going to stay higher than normal. Uh, And then even when the temperatures drop down some, we're still going to be looking at uh, pretty dry air in October uh, and on into November, even as the temperatures drop. So from a gardening standpoint, folks, that is exactly why you want to water early in the day or later in the evening. And you water at the base of the plant, not over the top and over the leaves and all of that, because there's more evaporation that way. If you water down at the base, it can get to the roots a little more directly and a little more quickly. So uh, Kirk, you said in your Labor Day weekend blog here not too long ago, the highest official temp for the whole summer may have been around, I think, 96, 97 degrees. But why did it just feel worse than that? Why was it just so dang uncomfortable for so long? Yeah, that was the interesting part of this summer. Uh, it wasn't the heat. It really was the humidity, as the old saying goes. And, of course, we're used to uh, hum humid summers here, but this was way above normal, uh, very tropical, because the general airflow was almost always either 
out of the Gulf of Mexico or off the Atlantic or sometimes both. Mm -hmm. So we just went months and months with dew points in the 70s, whereas dew point is a measure of moisture. The higher the number, the greater the relative humidity. And uh, normally we would have uh, dew points uh, in the 60s and only once in a while in the 70s. But we were 70 to 75 almost every single day all summer long. So it truly was a steam bath kind of kind of <laughs> summer. And that's why it, it felt so uncomfortable, even though we didn't have any extreme temperatures. We didn't have any triple-digit temperatures. We hardly had anything over 95. Most high temperatures were in the upper 80s to, to low 90s. And over the past couple of decades, uh, that has not been the case. We've been uh, having temperatures of 95 and 100 or higher frequently in, in most summers over the past couple of de- decades. And, of course, that humidity fueled enough thunderstorms where we kept the uh, drought away, which is another thing that we have seen so many droughts over the past uh, few decades. This year, no drought uh, during the actual summer months. Rainfall was one to two inches either side of normal across the entire metro area. Wow. If aliens landed and looked at Georgian's social media accounts, they would just never believe that because we had some great stuff, a good sense of humor about the humidity. And you you saw them, Kirk, all the memes and all people's oh, complaints. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I want folks to get to know you just a little bit better. I know they've listened to you on the radio for so long. And just like doing the traffic reports, you, you don't have time for much personality. You're in, you're out, you're telling the facts, but you're on 24-7, billboarded for years. And it is true, Atlanta Radio's only full-time meteorologist. So I'm going to take a quick break, Kirk, and bring you back because I want you to let folks know what your schedule is like. I bet it's kind of crazy. And then I have another question. We'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break and check traffic and weather. You're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. I have with me right here, we got him out of bed early on a Saturday, Kirk Mellish. Hey, thanks, Kirk, for sticking around. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. So I love the promos that we do for the station. Atlanta Radio's only full-time meteorologist. And, you know, people think about it and they're like, huh, he is, because we have Brad Nitz filling every now and then. Used to have David Chanley filling, but but you're it. So how do you keep a schedule and just that on call, twenty four seven kind of mentality? Well, going back uh, really to the earliest days, uh, even before the uh, internet or as the internet was just getting started, uh, they installed uh, communications equipment in my house so that if you know a severe storm or tornado broke out at an odd hour of an odd day, I could you know still. Uh, get right on and and deliver that and that's continued to this day so i'm constantly connected uh, to the station uh seven days a week uh, 24 hours a day as needed so yeah it has created uh an odd uh, lifestyle you know, sp- <laughs> based on you know you get up at two two o'clock in the morning to do the prep for the show atlanta's morning news that starts at at uh, 4.30. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's a lot of prep time. And then you do the show and then you get a break starting at nine. And uh, then the weather is recorded for a while in between, unless there's breaking weather. And then I start up again, uh, usually about two or three in the afternoon until uh, roughly seven o'clock uh, if conditions are normal. So it's it's definitely an odd, an odd schedule and very odd on weekends, of course, because, uh, you know, you, you can't completely uh, let loose, as it were, just in case some wet, cr- crazy weather come, comes up. So you have to always uh, 
have your wits about you if, if at all possible. And my problem is that, uh, you know, I could go to bed at, you know, like eight o'clock yeah. uh, in the evening or something, but, uh, for some reason, not being a 12-year-old, I just can't do that. So <laughs> basically, I'm just tired all the time. <laughs> oh, man. Deprived. So that goes back to college days, right? Well, you were working from home then before working from home really became cool. Oh, absolutely. And it became, uh, you know, home only. I used to drive into the office uh, for for at least the first half of my career. But uh, then, you know, Neil Bortz and uh, Clark Howard started uh, working from home. And I go, well, why can't I do that? So, <laughs> so I made the transition. So, yeah, it's been a couple of decades now that uh, I, I was doing the COVID thing before COVID was cool, even though it's not cool. No, and you're doing it very well. <laughs> like you just actually told the little secret that, you know, occasionally there are days during the week where in the afternoons, lunchtime and all that, you're recorded. People may not have known that. They literally thought you were live every single every single yeah, weather I, forecast. I, I, Believe it or not, humans need some downtime, <laughs> and I'm not a robot. That's right. <laughs> I might sound like one, but I'm not. <laughs> so I want to ask you, you've got a great appreciation, speaking of being human, and you are out there, you interact with people, you've got a great appreciation for some of the suburb downtown districts. You know, I live in Woodstock, and you hang around sometimes in downtown Woodstock. I've seen you in downtown Marietta and Ackworth and Duluth, cities like that, they just have Fun, well-landscaped, lively, like that old-style feel, you know, in the downtown areas. So what draws you out, just being out and about and enjoying life? Oh, a- absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm a bit of a foodie, for one, uh, so that gets me uh, out uh, looking for new cool spots. Yeah. I'm a big fan of, of architecture, so I like, you know, cool uh, restaurants that have been converted from some old uh, historic building or, uh, or whatever, and and, you know, towns like Ackworth and uh, Kennesaw and Woodstock and others ha- have that. And uh, so I love doing that. And I'm, I also probably the closest thing I have to a non-weather hobby is is live music. I just love live music. And a lot of these uh, places have that. And uh, many of them even have uh, have it in gardens, uh, the beautiful gardens, like up in uh, Century House in Woodstock, yeah. and Woodstock, uh, nice patios. So I'm able to... Uh, to do that even during COVID times because it's outside and socially distant. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my thing. Uh, just being out and mixing with uh, people and, and listening and watching uh, uh, live music. And there's a great uh, local live music uh, scene here in Georgia. There is. And, you know, our colleagues, because I live in the suburbs and so do you, some of them think we're crazy, Kirk. We live so far away from the station. Why would you commute 35 minutes one way with no traffic? But, I mean, really, you've got everything you need. We don't have to go to downtown Atlanta for all of that anymore. No, I I used to, of course, uh, head inside the perimeter. But uh, the scene has become so vibrant and diverse up here now in in the north suburbs that... uh, I can't remember last time I felt the need to to go inside the perimeter if I wasn't entertaining, you know, family from from out of town. And then you hit the usual hot spots uh, in and around downtown. But other than that, no. I love it. So folks may see you out and about and uh, buy Kirk a drink or buy Kirk a meal. I mean, he he would love that. And y'all could sit and chat and listen to some live music together. Well, I want to ask you one last thing before you go, because I've just had this curiosity and I used to when I was little, little, wanted to be a meteorologist and would stand in front of a map, you know, and move things around and whatever. But as a professional <laughs> sure. that you are, and I am so not, uh, what are some of the weather services or the sources that you trust most that maybe nowadays folks are empowered to follow some of those things themselves and maybe learn a little bit more? 
Well, yeah, I use uh, the National Weather Service and NOAA, um, all of their different platforms. I use those very heavily. And also uh, something people might not uh, think about is uh, many universities have meteorology programs of one kind or another. Uh, and so I uh, rely on them uh, as well for, for data and for uh, looking at information. And anybody can uh, tap into that, too. For example, uh, Georgia Tech and UGA both have uh, terrific programs and uh, so I, I use those uh, w- websites a lot. Uh, and what I like about those choices is not only is the information uh, viable and, and accurate, it's not sensationalized. There are a lot of other sources out there that I won't name, uh, but they're more interested in, in getting eyeball, eyeballs and, yes. and clicks and retweets and those kind of things on social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Uh, and so they, they go for the biggest, scariest headlines instead of just uh, playing it straight the way I try to do uh, on social media, on the radio, and in my blog at wsvradio.com. That's got to be frustrating for you when you see those headlines that just have that fear monger factor in them. It is, and because that gets so much attention uh, and gets shared so so widely, um, the Probably the biggest misnomer that people have about the weather is that there's just one forecast and it's delivered by uh, different people, but it's the same forecast. Mm-hmm. And nothing could be further than the truth. So many times I run into people, as I said, when I'm out and about, and I go, wow, you really blew that one back on. Oh. And then I, <laughs> I ask them and if they heard my forecast, they well, no, I saw this or I read that. And, well, that's not my forecast. Sorry, folks. There's as many different forecasts as there are forecasters, and mine is different from uh, what people are talking about very frequently. Well, and it's, I mean, there's got to be an art to it, because the more educated you are in your profession, there's an art to how you're interpreting that data, and someone who's not as educated or in a different part of the country, they may interpret it differently, right? Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's a very big part of it, just like uh, other professions, you know, like uh, uh, doctors and uh, uh, people who work in construction. The experience level and formal training uh, is very important. And, of course, training for forecasting the weather is a lot different now. All they teach is, is computer models. Here's the computer model. It says this, and so you point to it and, and say the same thing. But uh, Back when I was learning it, uh, we only had a couple of computer models, and they they didn't show you very much. You had to actually interpret the data to turn all these symbols into snow or rain and so forth. You didn't have the future radar and the five-day neighborhood backyard for, forecast and so <laughs> so right. forth. Uh, we actually, you know, had to understand how meteorology and the atmosphere works, rather than saying, "Okay, what does the computer say?" So I, I've got both. Now they don't even teach that at most uh, schools uh, anymore. So it's, it's, it's becoming a, a lost art and a, and a lost part of the science. And unfortunately, same thing goes with, you know, uh, websites on your computer and, and your phone apps. Those are fed by just one computer. Yeah. No human intervention involved. And it's not even the best computer. That's disappointing. I'm going to let folks down easy here. Kirk Mellish. Guys, you've listened for years, and you hear Kirk saying that he's spending time with the models, and he's looking at the models. Womp, womp, we're not talking. I mean, Kirk, you've got, you've, you've got a good life, but if folks have been thinking you're hanging with supermodels all the time, that may not uh, be true. Not. 
<laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> oh, I couldn't. I couldn't let that pass. So, when you're talking about websites and things too, this is one that you and Walter may have had in common. And of course, the College of Agricultural and Environmental Sciences at UGA puts it out. But GeorgiaWeather.net. Do you visit that one? I have been known to visit that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Very good uh, resource right there. Yeah, as I'm kind of learning my way around things and a little more and more every single day about gardening, it's got so much great stuff on it. And I I referred folks to it a lot because it's got average temperature, it's got rainfall, also like soil temperature, you know, that's important for a lot of things like seeding lawns right now. You know, you definitely want to make sure it's even got you used to have to, I guess, visit the Farmer's Almanac for this stuff, but it's got the general first frost date and the last frost date of, of every year. So that's really oh, sure. helpful for gardeners. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, check out the uh, Georgia State Climatology Office, State Climatologist Office. That's uh, Pam Knox over there at uh, UGA and uh, uh, the uh, Georgia uh, Agriculture uh, weather site as well. Those are good recommendations. Well, Kirk, I want to leave folks with how to find you. I know you've got a lot of followers on social media, but you're about to have a few more. So tell folks where they can find you and just be in touch. All right. My blog is at WSBRadio.com. I do my forecast page there and all of my blogs where I go in-depth on uh, whatever is of interest in uh, the weather at the time. Sometimes it can be a forecast, some times it can be something that's happening in the tropics or california whatever it might be whatever the hot topic that has my interest or local people's interest i'll go into in depth with maps and charts and explanations so that's at wsbradio.com my weather blog and you can follow me on twitter uh at uh, mellish meter wsb so at mellish meter wsb on uh, twitter and i uh, i'm always posting something about something Yes, there's always something to be talking about. Like you said, even if it doesn't pertain to Atlanta weather necessarily, we need to keep an eye on tropical depressions and, of course, hurricane season and all of that as well. Exactly. If it's not interesting here at the moment, it is somewhere. (laughs) That's right. There's always something just like in traffic. Well, Kirk, it's really been a lot of fun to catch up with you and get to know you a little bit better. I haven't gotten to see you in years. We miss each other at the station, but uh, keep in touch. And if you ever just want to jump on the show any other time, my gosh, I would welcome it. All right. I really appreciate you having me on, Ashley. Bye, everyone. Thanks. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.